Hey, it's Aaron. And I'm Sarah. And this is 31 Nights of Scary Shit. We're back, friends. This is a 101 Dalmatians. Yes. It's not. We're not talking about dogs in this episode. No, we are not. No. But before we get to the episode, we wanted to talk about a couple things. Uh, yes. First of all, we got an email from a listener. Um, a really nice email. A too. very nice email. I'm going to read day. it. I'm going to read it. Um, the subject line is excellent, I which I really enjoy that. When I saw that, I thought maybe it was... I thought it was spam. And I was like, yeah. really? You're going to build me up and then break me down yeah, with I the figured, spam? I figured they had the wrong person. Or- yeah. <laughs> and then I read it and I was like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. Um, so they, it says, hey there, I just started listening to podcasts about two weeks ago and I'm addicted to your podcast. I've started from the beginning and up to about episode 30 now. Wow. Love the banter and humor that helps while listening to the usually tragic stories. Preach, brother. <laughs> Anyhow, you probably have tons of listeners by now, but you can add one more here, too. Thanks for all the time and hard work put into your podcast, Neil. Okay, can we put him in charge of something? <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Neil, you're um, the, the director of podcasts. I don't know. Um, you, thank you, Neil, for that very nice thing. I really wish we had tons of listeners. I hope we have tons of listeners. All I can say is it gets better. If you've made it to 30. Yeah, if you've made it to 30, it gets considerably it better. It only gets better. So I'm... I mean, the audio quality gets yeah, better. Yeah. Um. So, Neil, if you've gotten this far in the podcast to Stick 101, <laughs> congratulations, friend. Um. <laughs> It's really, it would be really funny if he's like listening to this like six months from now and is like, they read it. They read it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, thanks, Neil. Uh, and anyone else, that was the other thing I was going to say. Um, anyone else want to send us an email? Please send it to 31 nights of scary shit at gmail.com. My cat is wearing Aaron's jacket like uh, Pete the dragon. Wait, no, wait. Um, Puff the magic dragon. Or No, wait. Where is it Pete the dragon where it's the, the tent falls over top of him? I have no idea. The old movie from like the 70s or whatever. I think it's. Is it Pete the dragon? Isn't it Pete the dragon? I think dragon? it's Pete. I think it's Pete. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so that was distracting. But please uh, send us emails. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at 31 Nights of Scary Shit. Um, and I'm going to, like, take a picture of this and post this on the ball. social. It just literally looks like... I'm going to z- zoom in on... Is I think it's his tail. It's it's <laughs> just a tail. Yeah. So we're going to put that on the social medias. Um, and that's at 31 Nights of Scary Shit. At, and then on Twitter, it's at Scary Shit Pod. Um, which I'm very excited that on Facebook, we're at, like, 940 followers or I some know. business. It- it is exciting. Yeah. We're also going to... That sounded like he was flapping his wings. Um, <laughs> we're also excited because we're going to pull out monthly memberships on yes. our Buy Me Coffee uh, with some extra content that we're going to put together for you guys. Um, so uh, keep uh, keep an eye out for that, friends. Stay tuned. There's a lot of big plans. <laughs> big plans. Big plans. <laughs> that friends. are still... They're coming. They're, they're coming. They're still in the works. We're 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 working on it, friends. Yes. We do have full time jobs, so we do do this on the fun times. On the fun times. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know I what's don't going know what on. Means. Anyway, let's get into uh, today's episode. Yeah. Oh, we have to reference that 
Oh, oh shit. Goodness. Yeah, no, wait. I don't think we ever talked about Robert Durst dying. And even if we did, it's all right. We're going to talk about it again. So it's really unfortunate that he died. because. Well, yeah, because he didn't get convicted of... Uh, yeah, but of, he's burning in hell now. Oh, I don't even know if that's a thing, but how do we know if he's burning in hell? I hope he is. There's a hope that can keep me happy that he's crispy, like the worst crispy bacon. Yeah, I know. I just, I, I realize he was named as the person that was going to go down oh, yeah, for it, but I would have loved to have seen him well, yeah, I mean, have the knowledge of, yes, you're also having to be held accountable for this now. So, well, yeah. and, and they were, wor- that's why they did that really quick um, indictment because they were worried he was going to die. And I yeah. thought, oh, now he'll stick around. He's like a cockroach, but yeah. now he died. Yeah. But if you want to know more about who in the hell we just were talking about having died, that Robert Durst, episode... go back and listen uh, to on. our episode. Well, hold on. Let me give you which number episode it was. It but... wasn't that long ago. I know. 96 is what I'm going to say. I'm going to... We are going to confirm whether my guess is correct. I'm saying 96. I think that might be wrong now that I'm saying it out loud. Let's see who gets to it first. I should be able to get Robert Durst was 97. Oh my God, I was so close. You were close. Oh my God, BGK was 96. Oh, that's weird. Um, anyway, yeah, so go back and listen to episode 97 about Robert Durst. He's a piece of shit who's now dead. Speaking of pieces of shit who are dead, um, who also technically weren't able to be convicted while living, Brian fucking Laundrie. Yeah. Uh, if anyone's been paying attention to that, that's incredibly sad. Not him. He's not incredibly sad. Let's just get that straight for a second. Um, but the family... And the FBI came out and pretty much said, like, in the notebook, he confesses to having killed Gabby Petito, which, I mean, we all knew it, but, like... And took the coward's way out. And then, I mean, you know, then he either killed himself or died of natural... Or died of, like, some horrific poisonous spider bite or, like, ooh, a spider bite would have been even worse. I was talking before before we started recording about, I hope he got bit by, like, a snake (laughs) and died slowly like out by himself and maybe got eaten by an alligator aaron aaron really enjoyed that part of it um but the yeah. thought of a spider like an infected spider by getting large and like okay now i'm getting worried that I'm, going, I'm worried that i'm going to get an infected spider right or now. like some weird spider that ah, lays eggs inside of you oh, no. and it turns into a horror movie and then he dies i wish that would have happened but he probably about- just shot himself yeah um anyway Fuck you, Brian Laundry. But anyway. Yeah, that, um, that was R.I.P. Gabby Petito. You didn't deserve that. Um, but anyway. Sad. Yeah. So those are your updates in true crime. Well, I hate to break it to you, but we're not gonna be talking about <laughs> anything that's any happier than what we were just talking. No, no it doesn't go up from here. No, it uh, <laughs> it does not. But this is timely because um the anniversary of the murder of Elizabeth Short, aka the Black Dahlia. Her body was discovered January 15th, 1947, so we're, we're keeping it timely here. Before we get started, Aaron's going to laugh at me, <laughs> but every time I think of this case, or every time I think of the other case that I'm about to connect to it, I confuse them. Okay. I always think Elizabeth Short and think Elizabeth smart, smart. Oh, and yeah. then I get very confused because okay. then I Google it and I'm like, wait a second, yeah. this is very wrong. 
This is very not what I looked up originally. And then I realized, oh, I'm thinking of a very different situation. Yes, that's a very different situation. Very different. Very different. But it's the Elizabeth part. I think I just, my brain is just like, Elizabeth, there's only one Elizabeth. and Gotcha. It's the one you're always thinking of. So didn't you um, do a case recently where you used a lot of primary sources? Yes. Was, yes. Was that the temple one? Or was it? Um, um... Well, Order of the Solar Temple, I did the um, Skinwalker Ranch. I used a lot of first person ones. Um, what was the other one I did? BT, uh, Maybe it, I think it was. Was it BTK? BTK, I did a lot of trial transcripts. Yeah. Yes. So I discovered that on FBI.gov, they had a 196 page uh, pdf of, of original documents for the black dahlia case so i started fucking wild now some of them you you know you can't really see them that well but the ones that oh, you yeah. could i looked in especially the newspaper articles um so i referenced some of that and i try to be really good at saying exactly when it was from and yeah and what i mean nothing put it gets up. nothing gets better than primary source yeah i mean yeah. even if it is like perspective and it's completely mm-hmm. wildly different it's still valuable yeah. So I hate to say it, but it really indulged my uh, need to play detective because <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I really got into it. And before I knew it, I'm like, I'm on page 87 of the PDF. And I'm like, I have to take the notes. I, I just imagine you in front of a, a fireplace <laughs> spread out. with the Sherlock Holmes hat yeah. and a magnifying glass <laughs> that you don't need yeah. for any other reason yeah. other than looking at the map that you have on the table with all the pages all over the place. That's just yeah. what I imagine. Yes. Yes. It's and a, lightning outside. It's a, I don't know why it's a storm. Yes, it's a great fantasy. <laughs> and I'm in the Moors. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're in a different country now. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Only to do your research. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that idea. Yes. All right. I'm going to go ahead and start with, I'm going to start with the background first. Um, so Elizabeth Short was born on July 29th, 1924 in Hyde Park in Boston, Massachusetts. Elizabeth was the third of five daughters born to parents. Jesus Christ. Yep. Phoebe May Sawyer and Cleo Short. Her dad's name was Cleo. Cleo? Cleo. Yeah. Is that a dude's name? I got so many questions well, about that. But that anyway. Was his, that was that dude's name. Happy for him. The Short, yeah. The Short family lived in Portland, Maine for a while, but then they settled in Medford, Massachusetts. Elizabeth's father had been wealthy until the stock market crash in 1929 caused him to go broke. I think that was a common thing. (laughs) A year later, Elizabeth's father's car was found abandoned near the Charlestown Bridge. It was a reasonable assumption that he had committed suicide by jumping into the river as the stock market crash pushed many men to the brink. As it would turn out, her father had abandoned the family and simply started a new life without them. Yeah, I was about to be like, okay, you found his car. You didn't find anything else. It's not like you found like a shoe in the river or something. Mm -hmm. Like, no. Like, he just dipped out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. So Elizabeth's mother moved her daughters into an apartment, and she took a job as a bookkeeper. Elizabeth suffered from chronic asthma and bronchitis, um, and at age 15, she underwent lung surgery. Her doctors advised her mother that it would be best for Elizabeth to live in a warmer climate during the winter months in Massachusetts. So Elizabeth lived with relatives in Florida for part of the year. Consequently, it made it very difficult for her to keep up with school, and she ended up having to drop out of Medford High School when she was a sophomore. Oh. In 1942, it was discovered that Elizabeth's father was, in fact, alive and living in California. (laughs) 
So at age 18, Elizabeth went to live with her father in Vallejo, California. It's always Vallejo, I swear. Why is it always Vallejo? That name comes up all the time. Frequently. And also, your dad literally dipped out on your family and you're going to go live with him? Well, they didn't get along very well. Well, And a few months later, she moved out. Well, there you go. Yeah. So it didn't last. Um, Elizabeth moved out and she pursued employment at the base exchange of Camp Cook in... I think it's Lompoc, California. Sure. No Elis- idea. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth lived with uh, different friends during her time in Lompoc. Um, she eventually relocated to Santa Barbara. Uh, Elizabeth was arrested for underage drinking while living in Santa Barbara, so her mugshot and fingerprints were on file. I didn't think anyone got arrested for underage drinking before, like, 1990. Yeah, well, she was, in a, she was in a nightclub, so maybe... Oh, well, that was dumb. Maybe she was... <laughs> Maybe she drew attention to herself. I don't know. Elizabeth was ordered, even though she was uh, 19, I think, at this time, by the juvenile court to return to her mother in Massachusetts, but she didn't. She moved to Florida. In Florida, Elizabeth met an Army officer named Matthew Gordon who proposed to her. Unfortunately, he died in an air crash in 1945, just before World War II ended. I did not know that. I didn't either, and I thought, how sad, because I bet her life would have been different if she would have married him. Well, she probably wouldn't have died. She probably wouldn't have been murdered. Yeah, I don't don't know, but that's kind of sad. Oh. Yeah. In 1946, Elizabeth moved to L.A., where she met Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Fickling, who was stationed at a naval base in Long Beach. Elizabeth worked as a waitress and was renting a room near the Florentine nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard. Elizabeth, who was an aspiring actress, was known for her striking looks and her trademark black clothing. There are no reports of her ever landing any acting gigs. Oh. Sadly. Poor girl. Yeah. So uh, I'm fast forwarding to January 9th, 1947. Elizabeth reportedly had gone on a trip to San Diego with a married businessman whom she was dating named Robert Manley. Okay, no judgment. It was a different time. Well, um, Robert Manley, um, by the way, was cleared as a suspect. So he was never a suspect. um, But yes, he was married. Um, they did spend a weekend together. He dropped her off and his alibi checked out. So Robert Manley was was cleared. But yeah, she was seeing a married man. So hmm. how do we feel about that detective for Detective Aaron? I don't think he, I don't think he was involved. I think he did. Ex- I think it happened exactly as he said. Okay. He, he had a, okay. a okay. weekend of probably some scandalism there and um, dropped her a off. Salacious yeah, weekend. And, and then was like, oh, crap. Now I've. <laughs> now I got to go back to the, the old lady. Yeah, now now I got to, um, and also now I have to cop to it because yeah. I could potentially be late. I do want to just like circle back to the fact the cat is still under your coat. Oh, Like is not leaving underneath of your coat. <laughs> He's now living underneath It is of now coat his now. home and I shall be <laughs> leaving without my coat. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Whatever. Yeah. So um, Robert Manley dropped Elizabeth off at the Biltmore Hotel. On January 9th in downtown L.A., she was supposed to be meeting her sister there. Staff at the hotel recall Elizabeth using the phone, and she was last seen at the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge on Olive Street, approximately a mile and a half from the hotel. On January 15th, 1947, Betty Bursinger was on a morning walk with her three-year-old daughter. She came upon what she thought was a mannequin in the Limerch Park area of Los Angeles. And if you've ever seen the pictures, you will agree. That is a very accurate description. Disclaimer, these details are very graphic and they may be upsetting to some listeners, but I don't go into 
all of the things I can, I'm going to keep it very general. And I would imagine if you've gotten this far into our podcast, you probably know you the ge- have probably already seen the pictures, but yeah. if you haven't, probably don't Google them if you're squeamish because yeah. they are pretty gross. I mean, it's pretty graphic to, because yeah. they didn't like, like the, even the pictures in the newspapers were yeah. very, yeah, like there wasn't any like privacy. Yeah, they're not filtered at all. So, yeah. So, <clears throat> Elizabeth Short's body had been severed at the waist and drained of blood. Her upper body was posed with her arms over her head. Her intestines had been removed and placed under her buttocks. That Fle- doesn't make sense to me. No, flesh had been cut from her thighs and breasts. Now, some sources say that her right breast was actually completely cut off. Um her stomach was filled with feces. Probably the most shocking mutilation was the horrific smile that was carved Ugh. on her face. Um, she was given what they call a Glasgow smile, meaning that the murderer had sliced her face from ear to ear, creating that awful, disturbing, you know, Joker-like appearance. You know, Tommy Flanagan's face. <laughs> yeah. Um, Short's body had been washed clean, and investigators concluded that she must have been killed somewhere else. Next to her body was a heel print and a cement sack that had traces of blood that was believed to be what her body was transported in. Um, I also wanted to mention that there she had a rose tattoo on her thigh that had been removed and stuck into her vagina. Yeah. Ew. Yeah, I know. Why? I just, uh, sometimes uh, I'm just <clears throat> like, for what reason does that seem logical? I don't know. Um. The LAPD um, contacted the FBI to help identify Elizabeth. Elizabeth's prints were on file because of her work at the commissary in 1943. Her prints also turned up again because of her underage drinking arrest. There was also a mugshot which revealed what Elizabeth looked like. The press immediately began reporting every detail and rumor they could find about Elizabeth, painting her in, at times, a very unflattering light. Elizabeth's mother learned about her death in the worst way. The L.A. examiner called Mrs. Short under the pretense that Elizabeth had won a beauty contest. They asked her all kinds of questions about Elizabeth and then told her the truth that Elizabeth had been murdered. Assholes. Pieces of shit. Elizabeth was portrayed as a promiscuous woman who had reportedly, quote, been seen with at least 25 men in the months before she was murdered. Okay, so... So what? So we can be seen with men, and that means what exactly? Different times. I have to keep reminding myself. Or or think about, like, the dudes that work at our particular place yeah. where they are far outnumbered. Like, what if their wives were like, what are you doing with all those women? Yeah. And you're like, that's the place where I work. So anyway, she was basically a victim put on trial in the court of public opinion Um, in some ways. She was branded a tease by some. Elizabeth was given the nickname the Black Dahlia in reference to the popular movie at the time called The Blue Dahlia. It seemed that Elizabeth in death was subjected to a despicable phenomenon of victim shaming. People yeah. spread unfounded rumors that she was a prostitute, and that was never proven, that she was a lesbian, and thereby that's why she would tease men. Oh, wow. Also, her physical attractiveness was referenced in police reports continually. That should not be a thing. It's always yeah. brown hair, green eyes, very attractive. It's like, come on. Yeah. Um, Ugly people don't matter. Right. Very attractive was part of the report. And and then an odd, less flattering detail in one of the reports I looked at, bad bottom teeth. I don't know what that means. I have bad bottom teeth. Does, also does it, rude. We're, yeah. 
How does that have anything to do with what's going on? So I don't know if it meant like in a state of decay and they just oh. didn't, you know what I'm saying? So, but that's what I'm saying. It's, that's very vague. I mean, my, my teeth, you might say are bad bottom teeth or crooked, you know? So I don't yeah. know. And also if they were decaying, wouldn't you say like decaying exactly. deep? Yeah. Like, yeah. wouldn't you want to be descriptive? Yeah. Um, on January 21st, 1947, someone called the LA Examiner claiming that he, she, or they, I put, because I don't know, killed Elizabeth and would be sending her belongings soon. On January 24th, a package arrived at the Examiner that contained Elizabeth's birth certificate, photos, business cards, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen on the cover. There was also a letter that was created from clipped out letters from magazines that stated Los Angeles Examiner and other Los um, I'm sorry, Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers. Here are Dahlia's belongings, letter to, fo- letter to follow. Whoa. Unfortunately, all the items had been, I don't, I'm in doubt of, of this detail, and but one of the sources I had said, unfortunately, all the items had been wiped down with gasoline, so they couldn't get any prints. There was a partial print on the envelope, but it was damaged and it wasn't analyzed. Um, but then I found other sources that kind of refuted that they did have, they did send some prints for analysis. So when I get there, I'll, I'll get into that on January 26th, a handwritten letter arrived at the examiner that stated, here it is. I'm turning in, meaning turning myself in Wednesday, January 29th, 10 AM had my fun at police black Dahlia Avenger. The letter gave a location and a time for authorities to meet, but the person who wrote the letter did not show up. Of course not. There was a final note that was made of cuttings from magazines that stated, have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. So someone's toying with them, whether or not it's the real kill. It's like, I always think it's people who are just fucking with It's like the Zodiac thing. It's like, who was really doing this? Is the person doing the killing really sending the notes? We don't know. Yeah. This evidence was also wiped down in gasoline, so no prints were retrieved. But this does seem to conflict with what I found on the FBI.gov website. In review of some primary sources, I found this information on fingerprints. A letter dated January 31st, 1947 from the FBI to the Identification Division or Single Fingerprint Section. Photographs of latent fingerprints that were obtained from an anonymous letter were sent for analysis, but there were no hits in the system. Hmm. I found a newspaper article, and I believe it's from the Washington Times Herald, um, and it's dated for January 28th. The headline is, Gives Up, Gives Up says can't stand it any longer. A 33-year-old man denies writing notes. Daniel S. Voorhees walked into the police station and confessed to police captain Jack Donahue to the killing of Elizabeth Short. Voorhees walked into the police station shortly after someone had telephoned the station and said, I can't stand it any longer. I want to confess to the Black Dahlia murder. Voorhees was booked and then underwent examination by the psychologist Dr. Paul DeRiver. After preliminary examination, the doctor, quote, had not come to a definite conclusion. Um, Voorhees told Detective Ed Barrett that he had a wife and a nine-year-old daughter in Phoenix, Arizona. Voorhees was quoted as saying, I'm so sick, I can't stand it. I simply had to get it off my chest. Voorhees denied writing any letters to police. Voorhees had been arrested five times before, and in 1942 in Phoenix, he was arrested for an assault with an intent to commit rape. In another newspaper article titled Cops Doubt Slayers Addled, and the last word is cut off, but I think it's tailed. In this article, it states that Voorhees signed a five-word confession that said, I did kill Elizabeth Short. The cops were suspicious of Voorhees' story. They were anticipating a meeting with another person who had confessed that stated they were going to turn themselves in at 10 a.m. on January 28th. 
Voorhees claimed that he had dated Elizabeth back in 1941 and that he had taken her out two weeks before her death. Hmm. Because Voorhees seemed confused and agitated, the police held off on giving him a lie detector test. The other person who confessed countered with a note that gave the police an ultimatum. He demanded that he only get 10 years and stated that police should not try to find him. <laughs> okay, so when you tell nice. the police don't look for you, they go, all right. Uh, all right, cool. Dennis Rader, yeah. can you track me with a floppy yeah, disk? Yeah. No, come on, you dumbass. <laughs> I'm not saying I did it, but if I did, could you figure it out? Yeah, okay. Sorry, the floppy disk every time I gets know. me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's just still, that's crazy. You, but no, no, yeah. sir. Well, other people questioned included Elizabeth's father, Cleo, but he was released. A former roommate of Elizabeth's, a 16-year-old girl who admitted to posing nude for a photographer named George Price. She was questioned. George Price's name was in Elizabeth's address book. He was also questioned, but he denied knowing Elizabeth. A 23-year-old man named Cecil French, who was seen molesting women at the bus depot, was also questioned, but was not considered a strong suspect. I've never met a Cecil that hasn't done some horrible shit. Yeah, Cecil. In a newspaper article from January 17, 1947, titled New Torture Disclosed by Autopsy, it stated that the coroner's findings were that Elizabeth died of hemorrhage and shock. (gasps) Her mouth was slit three inches on each side, they believe, while she was still alive. Oh, no, no. Makes it it hurt. No, it makes my face hurt. Yep. In addition, a concussion to the brain was a contributing factor to the death. Mm. Three deep abrasions were found on her forehead that suggested she was hit really hard with a blunt object. The rose tattoo on her thigh was removed and inserted into her vagina. There were marks around Elizabeth's legs, neck, wrists, and right thigh that suggested she was tied with wire or rope. The coroner reported that the bisection of her body happened after death. Oh, thank God. Another article titled, Sex fiend slaying victim identified by fingerprint records of FBI. Two weeks prior to Elizabeth's death, she had spoken to her mother, Phoebe, on the phone and told her that she was working in a San Diego hospital. Police interviewed two male and two female friends of Elizabeth who said that she told them that she was engaged to an army flyer from Texas named George. Two acquaintances of Elizabeth named Harold Costa and Donald Lees told the police that they used to live in the same hotel with Elizabeth and that she hung around with girls named Margie Graham and Lynn Martin. A witness named Bob Meyer reported that a Ford sedan paused near where the body was found at 6.30 a.m. However, there were other witnesses who claimed they walked by the vacant lot where the body was found as late as 8.30 a.m. and did not see a body. So all these... You know, eyewitness things that are all that are all that are all. Well, we know how reliable eyewitness statements are. I mean, I'm sure there are very reliable eyewitness eyewitnesses to crimes, but it's the statements that are the issues. A car registered to Wilford A. Dougherty that was abandoned in a service station was thought to be a possible lead. The car had strands of grass hanging from the door, blood specks on the upholstery, and three newspapers with accounts of the murder found on the seats. Okay. Dougherty was dismissed as a suspect when it was discovered that he left the car in the lot instead of driving home from a party. I don't know. I feel like that could have been more Um, thoroughly investigated. Yeah, that seems very not investigated (laughs) at all. The brutality of the crime and, and that it was clearly the work of a sexual sadist prompted investigators to recall the sadistic murders of seven San Diego women back in the 1930s. These crimes appeared to be the work of a sexual sadist. Among those victims was a 10-year-old girl. All these victims were attractive. Um, An attractive, well-to-do widow, a beautiful 22-year-old telephone operator, and an attractive divorcee. 
There was a three-year lull before the killer struck again. Then three more attractive women were brutally slain in similar patterns, and it seemed the killings increased in brutality. Victim number seven, Ruth Muir, was severely beaten about the head, raped, and slashed. One has to wonder if Elizabeth Short could have been number eight for this killer. This crime was more shocking than the previous seven murders, and this time the body was severed in half. So there was some some discussion of, eh, could that have been the escalation of that person? So I don't know. But I put that in there because I did not know that detail, and I thought it kind of interesting. Now I'm going to get to the suspects. Um, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this guy because it could be a whole podcast in itself. Oh, God. So the most famous suspect is Dr. George Hodel. Who there was, is a whole podcast yeah, on yeah, this guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> By his grandchildren, I yeah, believe. Yep. Yeah. Granddaughter? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So Dr. George Hodel um, was a prominent Los Angeles gynecologist who specialized in VD. So, you know. Great for what him. a specialty. Y- yes. Yeah. Also, let's just establish it's not far off why this creep would be specializing in VD. Yep. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, one of the thoughts was that he also used it as a way to blackmail people who didn't want it to get out. The yeah. Way, and he'd say, okay. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. he's, he's a shady yeah. character yep. in yep. more ways than just yeah. murder. <laughs> He had uh, law enforcement's attention because in 1949, he was arrested for allegedly raving his 14-year-old daughter, Tamar. Mm-hmm. George Hodel's high-priced Hollywood lawyers made sure he would escape any punishment for that. Um, despite some sources say two, some say three witnesses who testified that they had seen Hodel forcing sex on his own daughter, he was acquitted. She was sent to juvenile hall. Which is fucking bullshit. Yep. That's fucking bullshit. So she gets raped by her father and then she gets punished for it. No wonder she had such a difficult, she did end up having a very difficult life afterwards. She did. Um, Odell looked up to the, the historical Marquis de, is it Sade or de Sade? Marquis de Sade, a historical rapist and pedophile. Odell was friends with director John Houston and was able to insert himself into Hollywood circles. Well, what he was doing was performing illegal abortions for people in yeah. Hollywood. So, of course, they were. Yeah. That's he it. was yet again providing a service for celebrities that people don't want to talk about. Yep. Cough, cough, Jeffrey Epstein and Giselle yep. Maxwell. Yep. Um, anyway, continue. Um, not only was Hodell a suspect in the Dahlia murder, supposedly he was suspected in other murders as well. Authorities bugged Hodel's house in 1950, and he was heard saying, and I think he knew that they had done it. Suppose I, why do I picture him with like a cigar and like a mustache? Because like, he probably had both of those Suppose things. I, you know how like in those old like noir movies are like, suppose I did kill the Dahlia. You know, yeah, <laughs> yes. why, why do I suppose, yes. suppose I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. But that's what he said. See here, yeah, son. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Now, I it's possible he was just messing around there, but they, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Anyway, his secretary had died of a drug overdose while he was present. He burned papers belonging to her before he reported her death to the authorities. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> sir, 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 there's many things wrong with this. You can't claim a drug overdose when you're present there, and then things also get. Yeah mess the fuck up like come on man and you're a doctor yep 
You're a doctor, sir. It was believed that his secretary may have known of his illegal activities, which involved illegal abortions among Hollywood elitists. Perhaps she was going to blow the whistle on him. Or, or he realized, oh shit, she knows an awful lot. Like, I need to, like, yeah. you know, but again, nothing was ever, up. Nothing was ever proven there. So it was ruled a suicide. When, Ho- when Hodel died in 1999, his retired police officer's son, Steve Hodel, found two photos of a woman who resembled Elizabeth Short in his father's possessions. So Steve Hodel decided to investigate his own father. He began pouring through archive records and requested the FBI files on the Black Dahlia. Handwriting experts concluded that George Hodel's writing was a possible match to the note sent by the killer. The crime scene photos showed that Short's body had been cut in a way that resembled a, a hemicorporectomy, a procedure in which the body is sliced under the lumbar spine. Hodel was attending medical school in the 1930s when this procedure was being mm-hmm. taught. Is any of this strong enough evidence for you? Mm-hmm. Steve also searched his father's archives at UCLA and found a folder full of receipts for contracting work that had been done on his home. There was a receipt dated for a few days before the murder for a large bag of concrete that was the same size and brand as the bag found near Elizabeth's body. Again, circumstantial. Steve. Circumstantial, then you add the yeah, other things and you go, mm-hmm. seems fairly likely. Steve Odell also received a letter from a former police informant who claimed that Elizabeth was murdered by someone with the initials GH. Yeah. Odell said it was pretty clear that this letter was not meant to be released to the public. Many of the investigators that worked the case originally were deceased, so Steve had to recreate con- conversations through looking through old notes. He believes Elizabeth met Hodel at his VD clinic. In 1950, the DA office received confirmation that Hodel did associate with Elizabeth, and at least eight witnesses stated that Hodel and Elizabeth knew each other and had a possible relationship. In 1950, Hodel relocated to Manila. He returned in 1999 and moved to San Francisco. Steve Odell's 2003 book, Black Dahlia Avenger, details his findings from his own investigation. I think he's written like three other ones, too. Needless to say, it's still up for debate as to whether or not Hodell was responsible. Now, I'm going to go into some other suspects. Another one is Dr. Patrick S. O'Reilly. He likely was introduced to Elizabeth through Mark Hansen, the guy whose name was on the address book at parties. Investigators discovered that he had a history of sexual violence. Oh. He was convicted of assault with a deadly weapon on his own secretary. When she refused his advances, he beat her severely. Leslie Dillon. Leslie Dillon was an aspiring screenwriter, former mortician's assistant, and a bellhop. Oh, God. Dillon read a story in True Detective magazine about the case. He was intrigued, so he contacted psychologist Dr. Joseph... Paul D. River, who was referenced in the article. That's the psychologist for the police. Uh-huh. Dylan told the psychologist he believed a man named Jeff Connors killed Elizabeth. At first, De River did not believe Connors was real. De River set up a meeting with Dylan, unbeknownst to the LAPD investigator, so he shouldn't have done it on his own. Dylan revealed details of the case that had not been made public by investigators. It was discovered that Dylan was in San Francisco at the time of the murders. Mm. However, Connors turned out to be real, and his real name was Arthur Lane, and he lived in L.A. at the time of the murder and also had worked at an establishment where Elizabeth frequented. Dylan had been kept in a room against his will during an interrogation, and that got out to the public. It did a lot of damage to the investigation, and then he eventually ended up suing the LAPD. So there went that, even if it wasn't. There you go. Yet again, LAPD. Shoddy police work. Way to just really... 
kill it. So Mark Hansen, um, the guy whose name was on the address book, Elizabeth Short stayed with him off and on in 1946. I think she was doing a lot of couch surfing is what we would call it now. It was confirmed that Elizabeth and Hansen spoke on the phone on January 8th. Mark Hansen's name was on the address book that was sent into the press. One theory is that Leslie Dillon was part of a gang that would rob motels. Part of the operation was that a gang member would get a job as a bellhop at the motel. Mark Hansen, a nightclub owner, was allegedly part of this operation. It's suggested that he ordered the murder of Elizabeth because she knew too much about the robbery crime ring. I don't know. Weird. Um, Walter Bailey. This guy's kind of interesting. He was an L.A. surgeon who was named as a viable suspect by L.A. Times writer Larry Harnish. Harnish began to look closely at the location where Elizabeth's body was found after he spoke with former FBI profiler John Douglas. Douglas believed the killer had a personal connection to the location where the body was dumped. Yep. Harnish recalled that one of the witnesses had given their address as Norton Avenue, which was a block away from where Elizabeth's body was found. A Barbara Lindgren had given the address, and it was the home of her parents, Walter and Ruth Bailey. Walter Bailey was a surgeon with an office near the Biltmore Hotel, Mm. the last place Elizabeth was seen alive. Bailey died in 1948 of encephalitis. I think it is, but it's but it's a different version of it. But anyways, we'll go with that. It's a brain disorder that can cause um, a person to become violent. It can change your it can change your personality. Bailey did change before his death, according to many people that knew him well. He left his wife and began an affair with a co-worker. His secretary, colleagues, and his own daughter, Barbara, all said that he had behaved very differently prior to his death. Harnish's theory is that Elizabeth reached out maybe to Barbara for a place to stay, but instead wound up calling on Walter Bailey. Whoa. Elizabeth possibly gave Walter a sob story that she had used before to obtain a place to crash. Supposedly, she would tell people she had had a son who had died to get sympathy from people. Bailey's own son had been killed in a traffic accident on January 13th, 1920. Elizabeth's story could have angered Bailey when he realized she was lying, and it could have caused him to fly into a rage. After killing and bisecting Elizabeth, he he may have placed her body near the place where his son had died years before. After Bailey died, his wife challenged his will because she claimed his mistress threatened to tell a terrible secret if Walter returned to his wife. If Harnish's theory was correct, the secret was probably about the murder of Elizabeth Short. However, there isn't any evidence that Bailey ever met Elizabeth. He had no history of violence, and he was 67 at the time of her death. Oh my god, but that's also a reasonable amount of circumstantial evidence. I know. Okay, I've never heard about that suspect before. That's incredible. I know, it was a new one. There were some, like I said, these were some of the more um, viable suspects that were identified in the investigation. There were more than that, yeah. but these are some of the, the ones that you see the most on. Um, so what I would say is anybody who wants to weigh in on this, send us an email if you want to weigh in on any of these suspects, or if you think there are other people that could possibly be the murderer of the Black Dahlia. Um, I think that there are a couple there that are pretty good. Uh, yeah. And we're I, never going to know for I sure. I felt so strongly about Hodel, like think, yeah. so strongly about it until you just read about that Walter Bailey thing. And I'm like, that's just as tenuous as the Hodel one. I mean, I, if you, so I mean, it has just as many holes in it. Especially now since... Oh my God, so that's the, wild. So the original thought was people were really stuck on this fact that it had to be someone with knowledge of anatomy and medical training. Yeah. Um, and now, not so much. You know, when they've looked at it, they've said, nah, it doesn't really resemble somebody that was 
carefully cutting, you know, so mm. that this whole thing about it having to be a surgeon might not necessarily also like how accurate were they back then? Like, yeah. I mean, it's not like now where we have lasers doing things where you'd be like, obviously this is from yeah. 2020s yeah. You know, or like the 2000s or whatever the heck, mm-hmm. like how accurate were they being back then? Yeah. I, that you could accurately be like, obviously a surgeon had to have done this. Yeah, I know. Like, what's the difference between that and a vet hacking a limb off? You know what I mean? Here's the thing about this. Um, and I wanted to be mindful of this. Whenever we, th- we talk about this, we think about the case and we think about the, you know, the sort of the whole thing and how it's kind of like a Hollywood kind of, you know, dark story and all of that. But I was also listening to um, another podcast where they were very explicit about all of the torture she probably went through. And it just made me sick. I mean, she she likely was held captive, you know. It, it, yeah. It wasn't like a quick and easy kill. Like, I, she she sustained... Yeah. horrific injuries while she was being tortured. I mean, I it, it it's just really... I'm usually not really squeamish about things, but just here, I I only gave the very broad stuff, but just listening to some of the specifics, it was making me sick to my stomach. That's so, awful. Um, and her life wasn't really a picnic to begin no. with. I mean, you know, her dad left when she was five, started a whole new family. Um, yeah, didn't just leave, like, faked his own faked death. Faked his own death. Um, like, dipped out. Like, she had a very hard life with a bunch of sisters and a single mom. She was sickly. Sickly. Had to drop out of school. I mean, and then dies. Yeah. Probably used and abused by men, Absolutely. knowing the time. Well, yeah, there were, there were, yeah. you know, there definitely were stories of pretty much she had several boyfriends during that period that, that she left due to them abusing her. Um, That's just awful. Just awful. Well, there was an uptick in crime around then. Anyway, yeah. you know, people came back from war. There were a lot of people flocking to the to the cities, and um, yeah. God, what a story, man! Wow, timely because of the anniversary for mm-hmm. sure. For sure, good story, man. You had a lot of suspects I had never heard of before. Yeah, I know that's fantastic. That Walter Bailey, I had no. That's idea. wild, though. That you're like, well, okay. Oh, well, okay. like the whole time I was going. I could see that, yeah. and you could see that, and you could see that. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with Hodel. I mean, it's just as, yep. you know, just as solid, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's like Zodiac, we'll never know. No, we'll never know. Which is know. really sad. No. It's, like, upsetting. Like, it's like, I wish we just knew, like, Golden State Killer. I wish there yeah. was, like, a finite thing. Well, the Zodiac, there's one for that guy, too, where, yep. the, where the son's, like, my dad did it. Like, yep. I'm 100% certain my can dad you, did it. Can you wrap your head around, though, like, like, Yes. But being that, (laughs) but being that like adamant, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's my dad. 100%. I I feel very confidently that if my dad did that, I would very much be like, yes, my dad. Like, I would be able to figure it out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm not saying you wouldn't. I just mean like, how does one come to terms with that enough to go, yeah, and I'm going to pursue and try to, and try to, you know, help the investigation. Like, I just, wow. Yeah. Wow. Or the people that go the other way. Yeah. That are like, let's cover this up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I respect anybody that's willing to, to, to you know, to, to yeah. put that out there. Um, for sure. For sure. Mad props. And the Hodel family, like they've done, there's tons of books mm-hmm. by them. Mm-hmm. The kids, the grandkids too. There's a podcast, the granddaughters, I think two yeah, of the granddaughters Flora did. or Fauna. Fauna Hodel died like yeah. in 2016. And then there's a show 
that was on TNT that was not very good. No, but, it wasn't very good. Um, it kind of goes through the same kind of thing. And I think that's why it was canceled. I had hi- I had higher hopes. Yeah, it was that. pretty terrible. I don't think I even watched one full episode. You know, that was another case, because we talked before, like, what was the case that, like, kind of got you interested? One was John Bonet, but yeah. I, the Black Dahlia, um, when that horrible movie with Josh Hartnett came out, and I saw it in the theater back in the early oh, 2000s, yeah. I first started watching Forensic Files obsessively around that time. Oh. And that's the first time I heard of the Black Dahlia case. So when that movie came out, I was like, oh my God, you know, I thought it was going to be something else entirely. Wild. But that was a case that I was like, yeah. yes, I would love to be the person that got to like examine this and figure it out. And- it's interesting you didn't get into Forensic Files until then. Because, like, I remember after the JonBenet thing, and, like, remember, JonBenet was, like, my age. So I remember yeah, no, being, I was in like, high school. that age yeah. and hearing about it and then being, like, I have to watch America's Most Wanted. I have to watch, yeah. like, all well, watched, 60 Minutes. Like, I have to watch all the shows watch where those. they talk about, yeah. like, murder. I did watch 60 Minutes yeah. in America's Most Wanted. And, and I think it was, like, Unsolved. Was it Unsolved Mysteries that was in the 90s, Yes, too? it was. I watched that, too. And then there was another. It was Forensic Files, and then there was another show. There was, um, that wasn't as popular as Forensic Files. There was Cold Files. Case cold Files, case too, files. which I liked. That was good, too. But anyway, yeah, no. I hear you. No, Black Dahlia, that's for real. I really want to... The JonBenet thing is... I can't ever let that go. That will always be stuck in my head. And Chandra Levy, for some god-awful reason, is always stuck in my head. Um, but we've talked about that enough. Our yeah. cases that got us into these things. But um, yeah. fantastic job, Aaron. Thanks. You killed it. That was a good one because it's been done so many times. That was a good one. There's so much out there. Yeah. Which can get overwhelming. But And I, that's why I appreciate you going to the primary source. I did. And I didn't want to go. I didn't want to get into the sensationalism of it yeah. either. I mean, because I really started thinking about it as I was listening to what happened to her. And I thought, oh, God. Like, yeah, because there is a lot of garbage. Like, again, if you're not familiar with this case and you start Googling ugh. things, there's a lot of like sensational statements that are very much not founded in any kind of fact said solely to sell newspapers back in the day. So, Mm -hmm. or to, you know, get people to their websites now. Um, so yeah, no, good job. I like that. I appreciate that. I appreciate. And then I also like that you like made statements of like, I don't know whether this is true or not, (laughs) but this is what it said. Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyway, so fantastic friends. Uh, like I said, up top of the episode, make sure you send us your emails at 31 nights of scary shit at gmail.com. You follow us on the Facebook and the Instagram at 31 nights of scary shit on the Twitter at scary shit pod. And also catch out, catch our buy me coffee account is going to be coming out with $5 a month and $10 a month memberships with extra content and freebies. We're going to get some more free things. I have a surprise for Erin that I did completely forget to tell her about until now um, (laughs) that will be coming in. Not sure if we're going to send these to people that pay for the membership. Maybe we'll see. Um, (laughs) Depends on how much shipping costs. But anyway, um, anyway, we just ultimately at the end of the day, friends, we just want you to make sure that you stay spooky. Uh, Bye.